Jack. You're listening to Ad Yak. Ad Yak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Our mission is to inspire creativity and enhance the professional development of the advertising and marketing communities where we live and work. I'm your host, Bill Childs, and I'll talk with artists, designers, writers, directors, photographers, along with those who work in a creative capacity. Our aim here is to serve as a creative resource to help you stay informed, entertained, and above all, inspired. But first, I want to thank ASR Media. We appreciate your support and collaboration. For several years now, I have been experiencing the phenomenon commonly known as serendipity with greater frequency. It's considered an unexpected, fortunate discovery. But it turns out it happens all the time. You just have to be open to experiencing it. The latest serendipitous event for me happened when I opened an email from Tina Zaremba. Her initial message was followed by a meeting over Zoom, leading to an invitation to be on Adyak. Tina is a professional voiceover actor based in New York City, where she brings 15-plus years of experience and has lent her voice to hundreds of commercials, promos, and corporate videos that include clients such as BNY Mellon, Tide Plus Bleach, Airwick, Pantene, Blue Cross Blue Shield, The United Way, Dunkin' Donuts, and The March of Dimes. In addition to working as an in-demand voiceover talent, Tina loves coaching and mentoring artists by helping them create a blueprint for a career in entertainment, new media, by helping them become a solopreneur. Tina studied theater at Western Michigan at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute, where she received the Sidney Kingsley Scholarship. One of the engaging topics we discuss is her work at the New York Film Academy in New York City, teaching artists how to flip the script when it comes to knowing their worth and how to take charge of their artistic careers. We also discuss why coloring inside the lines is not always the best way to live a creative life. When Tina isn't providing her talent to various voiceover work, you can find her venturing around Harlem with her husband, son, and French bulldog Jojo. This was an intensely personal conversation, and I hope that as you listen to it, you discover something unexpected. Here is my ad yak with Tina Zaremba. Okay, Tina Zaremba, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, my friend? I'm all right. Welcome to Ad Yak. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Me too. So I want to start where kind of our relationship started. And I will share that I think all of us get a lot of correspondence throughout the day from people. And sometimes it's just rather, rather bland and rather non-personal and rather just kind of, you know, very salesy, right? Transactional. I can do something for you. You should call me. Almost like making you feel stupid if you don't call the person. Like, I can't believe you're not calling me. I can help your business. I can help your business grow, whatever. And I read one from you and it was anything like that. It wasn't nothing like that. It was personal. It had details about me. It referenced that we were LinkedIn. We were we were connected on LinkedIn, and you asked about um, how the teaching was going. Um, shared some personal things, but I read that and I just thought, I kind of want to reach out to this person. I want to see what this is. And you didn't ask for anything. You know, you weren't saying like I'm selling this thing. I think you'd be all about it. So that hooked me. I have to admit that really got me. And I thought. I'm going to send a response back. And I did. And you responded back. And next thing I know, we're, we're on a Zoom call. And we're like talking about all this cool stuff. And I'm like, Tina. 
old friend on my podcast. <laughs> this would make a great podcast. So here we are. Um, we're on it. This is Ad Yak. Welcome to it. And I want to start talking like immediately about what you currently are doing because I think it's fascinating. So fill fill me in on that. Sure. So I'm a voiceover actor, as you know, in New York City. I also am an instructor at New York Film Academy, and I work privately with creatives one-on-one, -on -one, as well as do workshops. Um, and yeah, I tell people that voiceovers is like acting on steroids. And my work with students, whether it's at New York Film Academy or outside of New York Film Academy, is really focused a portion of that's voiceovers, but honestly, the, a larger portion is flipping, as I told you, the narrative mm -hmm. of being starving artist to being the CEO of our career. I love this topic because this is a topic that I, I struggle with as well. Um, I think a lot of artists do. Um, so let's talk about that. Tell tell me yeah. about, like, tell me, how, how are you doing that? I mean, what, what, because uh, that's just one of those things where, um, I think there's valuable lessons there. And I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know that a lot of people are are teaching that. So. Well, they certainly didn't when I was in school, uh, whether it was at the university setting or at the theater Institute that I studied at, uh, it was more, you know, uh, these are the monologues. This is how you do scene work. Uh, cause I studied acting. There was nothing, uh, in regards to business, even, taxes for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, as I reflected on my career for the past 20 years, I realized that has what has helped me is getting in the driver's seat. And that was re reaffirmed when I started working with students at New York Film Academy, because I saw, oh my gosh, it's the same thing. They're wanting the same thing. They're they're thinking that it's the casting director that's going to make their career. They're thinking it's the agent that's going to change their life. It's all outside. And I get that. I mean, I rode that gravy train for a long time. And I think that it's our culture, right? Look at that musical, A Course Line, uh, where that oh, yeah. character... Um, Cassie's saying, God, I hope I get it. I mean, it's the sense of, please hire me. And we need to flip that. And yeah, um, that's why I'm passionate about working with people on this and holding workshops on this because it's um, it's time to change mm -hmm. that narrative. We can mm -hmm. have both. It doesn't have to be either or. Where We can have the arts, our creativity, and have the business uh, and be entrepreneurs. Well, your your bio mentions that you studied with Lee Strasberg. Well, I didn't Strasburg study Institute. Yeah, at yes. the his institute. Tell yeah. me about that. That sounds unbelievably fascinating. I had moved. I was doing a play in Michigan. This was years ago, and the playwright was from New York. Um, she had an in with uh, the place where I studied, and it was literally on a whim. I mean, I was floundering. Uh, for the most part, I, while I was doing theater, I really was not sure what I was doing with my life and was offered a scholarship to study. And it was literally like I just packed up everything, moved here. Small town girl comes to New York. And while it was a, an amazing experience, it was a lot of focus on relaxation techniques, everything that I was told I shouldn't be too sensitive, too emotional, blah, blah, blah. That was all celebrated and brought to the class. Uh and it was encouraged. It was really about being 
honest and using my story. And, you know, I don't know about you, but growing up, it's like, if you had crazy stuff going on in your life, you know, I was kind of told like, shh, shh, we don't really talk about that. But there it's like, yes, recognize that and bring it to the work. And how can it inform the work? Wow. So what year was this when you, when you got to New York city, what year? Oh my God. Now you're asking me to date myself. It was in the nineties. Okay. The All later right, go with that. So no, it was in okay. So, um, talk to me about some of those early days, so, like auditions and what did you do? I mean, you, you planted your flag in New York and then you start like, okay, I'm going to get, I got to get work. Right. What did you do? Oh, I freaked out. I had a complete anxiety attack and I didn't even know it was anxiety. I mean, I was, mm -hmm. uh, I came here and I did not know anything about the city, small town. I did not know how to read a map. Half the time I'm in the Bronx when I should be in the village. Uh, I'm auditioning, but I'm waiting tables more than I'm auditioning. And again, that cycle of floundering was happening. And I think looking back, a lot of it was this mindset of, if you're an artist, you starve. So even though it wasn't mm. conscious, I think subconscious, I was subconsciously, I was doing things that just, I look back, I'm like, girl, why were you doing that? Why were you just like chasing, chasing, chasing? Uh, versus here I am, this is what I have to say, like it or lump it kind of thing. And taking action on a consistent basis to grow my business. Technology has even the playing field a little bit, right? Okay, so what was the what 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 was the thing that that changed from from that helped you kind of flip your own script, if you will, into kind of start getting more work consistently and start building that book and start then like kind of being able to see your path a little more clearly. What what could you say would was that was um what helped that what stuff yeah. what was the catalyst you know. Probably, I mean, it wasn't one major thing. It was a bunch of micro moments that were happening and I just became exhausted and just kind of gave up trying to do it the way that I was supposed to do it, which was getting the agent, getting the casting director, getting the jobs. It was an efforting, efforting, efforting. And that was the other thing. I had a notion of how work had to be, which work is hard. And I was bringing that hard uh, Mm. to the work and it just was not happening so it was like when I gave up and then I decided well I'm going to get a corporate job and grow up <laughs> I remember um my therapist is probably too personal to share but whatever uh, I was in my late 20s and my therapist said you know you always liked acting you did one woman shows why don't you get back to into that and I said no it's time for me to grow up I am going into this corporate thing she introduced me to someone who was a children's entertainer. And I was like, I don't even know if I like kids. The woman really made her living from voiceovers. And sometimes I just jump into things and I jumped and said, well, I'm going to do voiceovers. And it wasn't like it worked out overnight. It took a long time. Okay. But eventually things turned. Isn't it interesting how we we fall into that mindset? You said starving artist, and you know I I detest the fact that there's no other career where there's a starving in front of the of the of the profession, right? But you know everybody everybody has these struggles. Every profession has these struggles. There's no there's no easy path. And as you were answering that question, I was starting to think to myself, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be because maybe that just weeds out the people that aren't really serious about it right? Because the ones that are serious about it, they find a way, they stay in it, right? 
I know it's hard. I know, I know the, I know the path. I know that, you know, creatives, it just seems like get, get beat up, you know, emotionally more. We, cause we feel things so deeply with everything. Right. Um, right. I know I, I, I do. And I just wonder, you know, I don't know if I'm, I'm just kind of realizing this as we're talking that um, maybe that's what it, it, it's hard for a reason because it does kind of, it, it really makes you decide, do I really want this? You know, and maybe sometimes you do have to kind of walk away from it, but I think that's hard to do. I think it's hard to walk away. I know I tried to walk away from it in the nineties. I just, I went into a sales job. I went into sales and I thought I could do this. I could live without my creativity. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I could bring my creativity to, to, to my role as a salesperson. Right. Mm -mm. That attribute was like, feed me. And I was like, shut up. I'm doing this now. You know, I don't want to, I'm tired of like having to, to fight all the time for these ideas or, or try to educate somebody that doesn't get what I'm trying to, you know what I mean? That whole. And did you feel like you were a square peg trying to fit into a round hole during that time? Because that's how I felt in the corporate job. In mm -hmm. fact, I had a boss one time tell me that He's, he was referring to our team and there was only three people on the team. And he goes, one of these things is not like the other. And it was, he was definitely referring to me, but don't you think, I'm sorry, I'll let you speak. Uh, don't you think it finds you though, your creativity? hundred yeah. percent. Yes. Because what I did was I did what you did. I went into sales and I didn't follow the rules. I didn't follow the way you're supposed to be as a salesperson. I just thought, you know what? what if I go just and talk to these people and be curious about their business? No sales manager is going to tell you that. They, they're going to tell you, did you make the sale? Here's our spec. Here's our offers. You know, give them this, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, that mindset is changing because I talked to a, a guy that wrote a book called The Science of Selling, David Hoffield, and mm -hmm. he, he was wonderful. I had him on the podcast um, and he talked, he, he was like, Bill, he's like, you were actually doing it the way you were supposed to be doing it before you knew that's the way you're supposed to be doing it. Because the, the, the salespeople that succeed now are the ones that go in and say, I don't know if I can help you. Let's have a conversation. At the end of that conversation, after what we talk about, I can then determine whether or not I'm the right fit for you or my products and services are the right fit for you. It's kind of like what your email did or to me. You were like, look, man, I think you got a pretty cool resume. I hope you're succeeding at your teaching job and uh, have a nice day. And I went, oh, I want to know more. Let's talk. Let's get right. And that's so. I, yeah. I did say, let's do a virtual coffee. And you did, you did say that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I mean, it's about being human and recognizing there's another human that you're having on the other end. And whether it's in sales, whether it's in the arts, whether it's in accounting, whatever field, we're human beings. We want to have that connection. 100%. Then the greatest part was when I was working with a buddy of mine, we were at a media company and he was the sales manager. I was the creative director mm -hmm. and he had a small team of like maybe six people, six salespeople. And we were in this media company that was very like, very rigid, very like you do it this way or you don't work here, right? Mm -hmm. So no, we had no. just gotten to a point. What's that? I said, that's great for creativity. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a creative director of this place. So we we meet in, Jay, uh, in his office one day and he says, let's go off the grid. I said, what do you mean? We're going on a trip? He's like, no, let's take the team off the grid. And I'm like, Keep going. I, I hear. Keep talking. He's like, 
We're going to meet weekly with my team, you, me, and my team. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to teach them how to sell. We're going to teach them how to have great conversations. And I said, well, you know, I'm in, let's go. And he's like, you, I want you to teach them about messaging and design and simplicity, right? I said, this is great. So we went off the grid. We, we, he said, the first thing he said to his team was he said, I don't want your sales reports anymore. You're making them up anyway. You're just, you're making them up. I don't want to read stuff you're making up. So what we're going to do at the end of each day, I'm going to ask you what great conversation did you have today? And you're going to tell me about a conversation that you had with a business owner about their business, about how nothing, I don't want you talking to them at all about the products that we have. If you do that, I'm going to reprimand you. I want you to put that stuff. Don't sell, don't bring the sell sheets out, bring nothing out. Talk about them and their business. That's it. And we taught them how to do that. It took six months, about six months. And I wish, wish, wish I would have kept the actual factual numbers because I know how everybody loves data. Yes. But I could, this was, this worked. So this is what happened without me being able to show you on, on spreadsheets. Every single one of those salespeople made their goals. And the goals were like, these really different, like there was like a digital goal, a print goal, a this goal, a that goal. You had to like, it was like playing this like weird carnival game. They mm -hmm. were hitting all their numbers. Mm -hmm. The the clients they were working with were running like bigger ads, right? Because my team was helping with the creative and we were going in and we're saying, okay, we're cleaning this up. And the rep was like, yep, I already talked to him about it, person about it. They're, they're prepared. So everything just connected. Like I mean, use your metaphor, stars aligned, you know, goals were reached. And the manager that was the sales manager at the time ended up getting the biggest bonus that was ever given to a manager in one month. And the sad part of this story, Tina, is when the top person found out what we were doing, he shut it down. Uh, what year then, was that? What year was this that this ooh, happened? This would have been uh, probably around 2008, 9, 10, around there, right after kind of the recession, the Great mm -hmm. Recession. And that was so debilitating because we did what the 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 numbers people want. We showed the numbers. It wasn't just touchy-feely, look at how nice the ads look. Look at how pretty the ads look. No, this was hard numbers. And these reps, after... Uh, my friend um, struck left the company shortly after that. They continued to make goal for another three to four months afterwards. They got the new manager in, brought the old, you know, kind of um, system back, and then it all went away. Why did your um, friend, your associate, ask the higher up? Why are we going back to the old way if we know this works? Because that's not how we do things here. That was what he was told. Hmm. You you went you you did things your way. We don't we can't have that. That's chaos. You know we we can't have everybody just running their own system. We got to hmm. run the system the way you know. And and this other the system was a little bit more kind of intimidating. It was a little more intimidation. You know, kind of like pressure tactics. It wasn't fun. It was like make sure you get your sales reports in. All stuff that my buddy knew. They weren't reps weren't doing they were filling them they were they were just filling them out to just placate so we mm -hmm. took that away and what and what was the beautiful thing was my friend did was he said i don't want you to worry about 
anything that goes on in this place about all the crazy emails and memos, you let me worry about that. That's what leadership is. That's what leaders do. Leaders say, you're safe with me. I'll take care. I'll step in front of whatever you're going to have to, you know, normally deal with. I'll worry about that. You worry about those great conversations with clients. It was yeah. beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. It it worked. It worked. And and we knew it would. Um, and I'm glad I got to do it. But sadly, what we thought in our mind was going to happen was that we were going to get to do that department wide. That we would have been given kind of like, like almost like, hey, I don't know what you guys did. It worked. Can you do this department wide? How do we roll this out to everybody? That would have been amazing because we could have done it. We would have said, we'll show you how to do it. And it's not about the sales sheets and it's not about special offers. It's about connection. Great you know, connections with clients. Wonder is the is that company still in business today? And are they thriving? Because at the end of the day, the way times are right now, I really believe that's the thinking we need to have. We need to have systems in place sure. that empower the people who are the cogs in the wheel doing things, right? And if you're an entrepreneur and an artist, you need to find a system that works for you and work that system. And that's another thing is systems were never taught and processes were never taught to me in any of my schooling. And that's half the battle is having a system. Otherwise, you're just here and there and everywhere. We had a system. It just wasn't their system. It was our system. So, right. yeah. And that's that's the other thing, too. In companies, a lot of companies that I've worked, you know, um, they, act, they actually think like I'm some kind of like, you know, anti, you know, uh, system person. I'm not. Even creativity has a process. I use a process with my creativity. It's the same one Da Vinci uses. It's information or used, I should say, he's not around anymore. Information, incubation, perspiration. Mm. What that means is information, gather it all, do your reading, do your research, look at your data, look at your research, put it in your head. And then this is the thing that Da Vinci did. He forgot about it. He let it, he just went away from it. And then he let his mind, he let his, he let his um, subconscious mind work on it, right? Because he was waiting and allowing for the aha moment. And then the perspiration part refers to you then somebody has to then decide what is the idea we're going to, to work on. Pull it down. Sometimes it reveals itself in that in that incubation process. That's why you have aha moments, right? Mm -hmm. You could be driving a car or, or, or taking a shower. It's usually when you're taking a shower because that's the only thing you're doing in the shower. Currently, we're not mm -hmm. watching TV. We're not filling out our taxes. We're not, you know, doing mm -hmm. all reading email. We're just showering. So the brain is like going full tilt. And then, you know, that's that's my process for creativity. So, you know, I take offense to these, a lot of these managers that always think like, I'm just all about the touchy, feely creative. I'm not, I'm about the business side of creative. And yeah. it's unfortunate. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a good communicator because a lot of these companies I work for, I end up leaving because I'm frustrated that they don't get me. They don't, they don't look at what I'm really trying to do from a creative standpoint to help the business grow. And I guess that's, I don't know, we can, that maybe that's ego on their part. I don't know. Bad leadership, lack of understanding. I don't know. Call it. I mean, it could be a multitude of things, but I I do feel like I'm hoping we're at a crossroads though, Bill. I do feel there has to be a crossroads where if we're going to have, um, 
really compelling creative that's going to break through all the noise that's out there, right? Because there's so much noise that we're getting, then leaders are going to have to empower their creative. And that means trusting them and leaving them the F alone. Yeah, no, what you're describing is is 100% correct. The problem is, is, you know, not everyone's comfortable with that. Not everyone's comfortable with, you know, if you're, what's the, the traditional model? If you're the leader of a company, right? All the answers have to come from you, right? Don't they? No, they don't. In fact, they shouldn't. But most leaders are not taught that, that listen to your people, you know, um, empower them. And you you said a beautiful thing, trust. You know, one of the greatest things, and I've seen it happen because I've had it happen to me, um, when I was asked to run a creative session, a weekly creative session at a company I worked, I said to the general manager, I said, well, pardon me for asking this, but what happens in a creative session? And he said, that's, up to, you want. <laughs> that's up to you. He said, but what I can tell you is I want the reps, the account reps to be able to talk about creative intelligently. I don't want you teaching them Photoshop. I don't want you, you know, teaching them InDesign or, or any other of the software programs. But when they're in front of a client, I want them to be able to look at something that the client is presenting them and be able to speak about it intelligently. So teach them about hierarchy, teach them about concept. What is a concept versus just straight text? How do fonts have personalities? All that. And I was like, oh, I could do that. He's like, I know you can do it. And it was great. And, and that's what, but he trusted me. See, it's what you said. He trusted. And he trusted you. And when we're in situations, because there's always going to be someone, whether it's in an organization or in a personal setting or just in business that we rub up against. I do feel at least I can only speak for myself as a creative. I have this inner rebel that wants to be just like ah, the system and that did not help me or serve me in my voiceover career. It was hmm. when I learned to pause and really just not take it in and just, I hear you, I hear you. And even now with sessions, sometimes clients, you know, there'll be everyone in the sun on a, in a session, legal could be in the session as well. And to get all this noise thrown at you, different ways to do one line, and then just to hear, you know, I got you, I hear you, and mm -hmm. then you deliver, you know? Taking that constructive feedback. Do they teach that in school? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> no. There's a there's a there's a way to give it and receive it, right? Constructive yeah. feedback. Not like that's terrible. Do it again. That's not direction, right? So you do, right? Yeah. And we as creatives, though, at least for me, have to recognize as a sensitive being that there are going to be people out there that are going to give you dingle dork advice and instruction, direction, and you just have to go, mm-hmm, I got you, smile on your face, be as sweet as can be, and you do your thing. Now, you're you're doing you're doing national work, right, for, for companies, okay? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other level. Right from then what then some of the things that I've done locally, you know, with my with my voice. Um, talk to me about what that's like at that level, you know, that at the national level. Or tell you me know, about, tell me about a really cool project you worked on that you if you can um, yeah. that, you had, that you had fun with that it turned out the way you wanted it to and you were really proud of. Tell me about that one of those. 
So I get asked that question. And honestly, it's not always like the big, sexy, shiny jobs, usually because, I mean, those are great, but there's so many different people that are involved. You have to go through legal, make sure everything's right. I did a smaller job and it was for a national brand, but they were testing stuff out and they wanted me to just improvise. And we just played and the team really got the value of what voiceovers brings to the project, that it can elevate, that it's storytelling. And that if you have someone who's a professional, who's not just reading copy, but connects to the script, you know, that's one thing from Strasburg that I got was you really, when I take a voiceover script, the first thing I do is go, okay, who am I talking to? And it's someone within my own world that I imagine it could be my son. And I'll just, sometimes I'll just start riffing to Jack. And then that's my son go into the copy. The team that I worked with, they allowed me, and most of my clients do allow me to have my process and then go in, go in it and they valued it. And that's what's so great is when there's a collaborative experience like that. And I've had, I've had a lot, but the improv one was really fun and stuck out. In my head. Well, I think what's really cool is I listened to a bunch of your clips on your website, right? Uh -huh. Which is, what is your website? It's you're, you're, here's what I found very fascinating about your website and you have a bunch of samples there. Um, it's all you right on the voice, yeah. but it's, it's not. It's different. It's different. It's like, so it's like, Ooh, I see what she's doing there. Oh, that's different. Oh, that's it. It's like, you know, it's almost like your, your voice is like this, this instrument, you know, that you can play differently the way you want to kind of to play to your, to what you were saying about a, a target demographic or, you know, the type of read that it is, whether, whether it's, you know, um, you know, narration or an instructional instructional video or a 30 second spot. Right. So I thought that was that was really um, really cool how you how you do that. Thanks for saying that. And yet I'm not in animation, and I'm not doing anything intentionally to tweak my voice. My mm -hmm. belief is voiceover is less about the voice and more about the sound underneath the voice. And what I mean by that is the intention. What is the intention? Who am I serving here? And what do I want them to hear? Uh, and I always, my focus is on connection because I know that when someone's talking at me, I tend to go like this. And when someone is really caring and wanting to connect, I want to lean in. So that's yeah. awesome. Talking to you as opposed to at you. Right. Mm -hmm. And sadly, so many radio commercials just scream at you. They think the louder they talk, the, the, more, that, the more that's going to make you rush into their business, especially the car commercials. I know. I know. There's still, yeah, the local ones. Yeah. I just still. want one car dealer to kind of like go, you know what? Enough of this, you know, enough. It's like, I often say, you know, so your overstocked inventory is my problem now. Like that's a reason to buy a car because you're overstocked. I mean, come on. You know, it's shifting though, because if you listen to a lot of the ads now are going online to Pandora, Spotify, mm. and YouTube, oh, and yeah. the audience there, especially the millennials, they don't want to be talked at. They want a real person. So if you listen to the ads on Pandora, you're going to hear a very, very real read. 100%. I listen to Pandora and I, I'll tell you what, those commercials, not all of them, but most of them are, are fun to listen to. 
there's yeah. a story, there's a concept, there's a, there's a, you know, a shocking, uh, you know, thing, a concept on a radio spot where there's a story being told, you know, as yeah. opposed to just here, read this. Yeah. Sure. I always talk about, uh, talk about that uh, in, in with, um, when I would speak to a lot of colleges, universities, I would always say to the marketing teams, um, practice safe design, use a concept. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tell me what, Tina, what's your creative process? What is, what, what is it? What, how do you uh, go about it? What, what's, uh, you know? Oh my gosh. You know, I knew you were going to ask that question. God, I would love to give a really brilliant, ooh, and I don't really have this amazing creative process. When it comes to copy, uh, I'll do things, like I said, where I will connect. I'll imagine I'm talking to a friend or to my son, or sometimes I'll use triggers before I go into something. Creative process in terms of my business and the clients that I work with one-on-one -on -one with their careers, that's more, all right listening, being still, journaling, um, working out, walking in nature. Uh, but it's not like, okay, I'm going to go have a creative process. It's just thinking, marinating on, all right, I'm going to be doing a workshop and going for a walk and allowing what is to come to me. That is the process right there. Oh. That's a process. Believe it yeah. or not, even though it's not marked tracked on a spreadsheet, um, you know, that's the process. I used to have when I was a creative director um, at this media company, the artists would come down. And um, a lot of times I didn't want to like I would have the projects I'd have to assign them. I would try to, you know, pick the artist that could do the best job that I thought, you know, some people were better with like grungy kind of edgy stuff. Some people were better with like more corporate stuff. But I would always try to give them something, some kind of quick sketch. Like I didn't want to like, and I always said, look, I'm just giving you this quick sketch. So you have something to start with. Your job is to make it better. Okay. You're not going to offend me. In fact, I, it's what I want you to do. I want you to make it better. And this one artist would always come down and I don't know why, but I was always, I was always in a playful mood. Her name was Sarah Sterner and she'd want to come down and get the, her project. And I'd be like, Oh, let me show you this video real quick. It like, you know, the, the latest cat video playing. And she'd like, Oh, Bill, I really Okay. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Show it to me. And then we'd watch that. I'd say, Ooh, that makes me think of another. And all she wanted to do was get her project. And to me, that was part of my process, even though I'm, you know, I can't believe you're saying that. Cause my best girlfriend, she and I, I actually was talking to her earlier yeah. about our talk and she was telling me that's her process. I'm like, your process going to the internet. And she was like, she said something very similar to that. And that's what I mean by the information. Information doesn't mean Oh, I got to go get my uh, my encyclopedia Britannica. Sit down and pour over every. No, it's it's all different. It's it's calling a friend and going, "Hey, what do you know about uh, tide washing detergent?" You go, yeah. we're doing something on that, and then it's maybe going to the grocery store and look at how tide presents itself. On the, that's the information phase. So it's oh. it can be it can be a bunch of different things for people. It's not like um, wait a minute. Uh, 1A on my spreadsheet says that I need to sit in silence for five minutes. Okay, I'm doing that now. That's not how creativity works. But Never here's happened. the thing, Bill. We have been, and you and I had a conversation about this, from five to 18, 22, however long you're in school, we've been talked at and told to absorb all this information. And no one's ever really said, 
this is how you think, or you need to be empowered to know that you can think on your own, or you can trust your heart and your gut. And I don't know why I'm pointing at my brain when I'm saying, but uh, you can trust your gut, your heart and your head to make things happen. We wonder why we're constantly doubting our art or um, an idea we have because we've been taught to get information from everyone else, but trust it from within here. Right. 100%. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do in my classroom, you know, mm-hmm. with the students that I'm working with. We just had a great conversation today. I'm I'm, I'm making them do public speaking. To oh, you mentioned that. I think that's yeah. great. And I am blown away. I'm I'm just I'm gobsmacked with with the the sensitivity of the topics they're covering, the 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 way they're they're really owning their words, they're they're vulnerable. Like I'd be happy if they just went up and talked about a great meal that they had last night because the the exercise is that just get used to being in front of people talking. I mean they're talking about some really deep topics that are important to them, and I'm just like sitting there like. Oh my God, this is like amazing. And, and they're, they're they're really embracing it. They're really embracing it. I'm so proud of them. I mean, it's just, it's been great. And no one taught that to me. I did one talk in high school. One. I did a topic, a presentation on how to shade an object, <laughs> like with pencil. That was it. Until I, then I get out in the real world and I realize you have to talk in meetings, you have to talk to clients. You, and then if you're a, if you're a designer and you want to be a good one, you have to talk about why you're designing what you're designing. Why did you design it this way? So they're getting that from me. I'm, I'm going to, I'm teaching them that. And I said, you'll have, that will benefit you far beyond the classroom. You'll be good for job interviews because you'll, you'll be comfortable talking. And, and again, with what they're talking about, the topics that they're talking about, they're, they're not going to have to go talk to those things about a, you know, a, about personal things that they're feeling and experiencing every day in their life. Um, it's just going to be more about them as as the, and a job that they're going to apply for. And I'm going to morph that into the next thing they're going to have to do is then they're going to have to start talking about their art. So I will put it up on the screen, and then they will have to talk about a piece of art that they created, why they like it, you know, maybe share some of the elements that they used of art, the principles of design that they used. And then, and then it really starts to kind of coalesce. And then they're, I have a feeling they're going to, they're going to really see after they get out of school, like, man, I'm so glad he taught us that even though they resisted it initially. I commend you. And I feel it'll be interesting to see how they are when they talk about their art, because that's where I find people can get a little uncomfortable because it's, they can feel, you know, you mentioned we had a conversation about rejection it becomes then about me, and especially if you're an actor or a voiceover actor, because we are the instrument, right? So I'll be curious to see how they navigate those waters. Yeah, it's, I, I yeah, I don't know. We're going to see. Let me ask you this. Why do you think, and this is a big question, but why do you think creativity is so misunderstood by so many yeah. people? Not by the people who do it. Obviously, we understand it. But why, why is it, why do you think it's just so just misunderstood? I think it has, I think creativity has had a terrible PR person. Whoever that person is. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Creativity needs a whole new rebrand. 
<laughs> You're in charge. So mm-hmm. let me ask you, why do you feel it's so misunderstood? And how do you define creativity? Because I don't know if it is so misunderstood. Okay. Um, but I want to hear more what you why you feel it's misunderstood. I think creativity is original thought, original thought and ideas that have value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and I think that there's a multitude of definitions about creativity because you could people could say like, well, creativity could be me carving a design into my head. You know, that's mm-hmm, personal mm-hmm. creativity, right? Yeah. Carving a design into your haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm as I, as I talk about it from from business from the mm-hmm. business side it's it's a way of looking at things differently and being open enough to following an idea where it wants to go not maybe where you want to go but where it wants to go mm-hmm. and that's where people tap out because they get a little far down the path and it's they start to lose their sense of where they are they can't they don't see any of the the guideposts mm-hmm. anymore. It's kind of like going down a tunnel and you start to get to mm-hmm. a point where now you're not going into the tunnel. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of across that point of where are you going now? Where's this going? And that freaks people out. So, yeah. Right. So, so, and I just think that, that there's um, just, it just scares people. And especially when you're, when you're following an idea and you don't know where that idea is going um, and how that's, how much that's going to cost and how much is the team going to have to, to spend and is it going to be something that ends no you know go leads nowhere that that doesn't track well for a business person who needs to put you know a number to what is this idea going to cost me yeah i i'm I'm with you now okay and i just and i just think that you know we're not taught most people are not comfortable being creative because it it it's it has the connotation of being frivolous it's frivolous, right? It's just, well, it's, it's creative. It's fun. It's supposed to, it's just seen as fun. And I don't know if it's that bill, or if people are afraid to trust themselves and Ooh, it's there you go. knocked out of them, because you know what? I guarantee you get all those people who are making those judgments about, let's say a concept, a creative concept. When they were once five years old, they were doing something that was their creative process. And what happens is it gets kicked out of us, usually through school, sometimes in the family system. And then we don't trust ourselves. And so it's like, well, I want to know the answer. You're taking me on this path. And we're taught we need to have the answer and we need to have the right answer. Well, shit. What is school other than give the right answer? Right. So we can move on. We're not taught how to come up, how to think of answers creatively. We we're taught to think of them correctly. Give me the correct answer. Take the test, nail the facts into their head, move on. Right. Yeah. It's, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts. It's our educational system was literally created to train factory workers for the industrial revolution. That does not serve us now as a society. And I think one of the most, you know, my my favorite uh, mentors and gurus in the field is Sir Ken Robinson, who said, we don't grow into our creativity, we get educated out of it. Yeah. And I pin it right on middle school. I think that's where it, we lose it. Because up until that point, most kids are kind of brilliant. They really are. They're, they're, they're brilliant. 
They could solve all the world's problems because they come at it so openly and so carefree. They work together well. They don't, they don't like look at people and go, oh, I don't like him. He's different than me, right? Then you get to middle school and it's all about fitting in. And then the bullying starts. And now with social media, everybody just wants to get through middle school without any, without any trouble, right? You don't usually see a lot of middle school kids like kind of standing on their own and celebrating their individuality conformity the society, right i think the school and the, and the and society tries to conform then by the time you get to college and maybe high school i'm trying to help it with my kids like say look be who you want to be in this class you know the 3 hours that you're in this class this is where you get to be you you get to figure out who you are because the rest of the the rest of the time it's going to it it's going to want to put you in that box but when you're in here in my class let's work on figuring out who you who you want to be. And are you comfortable with that? Right. Yeah. So that's what I think happens. I pin it on middle school. So I actually school. feel for me, you know, I was just thinking about all this when you were, as you were talking, it was in fourth grade and I'll never forget. And it wasn't, it was a teacher uh, in third grade. I auditioned for the movie Annie. And I don't think I even share this with you. And I went fairly far and was in um, the papers and on the local news for being a finalist. And in fourth grade, there was a school play and back then we didn't know much about ADD and dyslexia and people who learn differently, but I definitely <laughs> fall into that camp. And there was a school play. I was given the lines and I was just literally flubbing, flubbing, flubbing. And I'll never forget Mr. Bowers in fourth grade, Mr. Bowers, if you're out there, said to me, I thought you were supposed to be like this acting queen. You know, you went so far in Annie and that just... And I just got quiet. And then, you know, growing up in my family life, um, while my parents were pretty hands off of me, they weren't like, go be a doctor or a lawyer, which I saw with my friends and, you know, my cousins with their parents. Uh, they were afraid, right? You know, mm -hmm. my dad said to me, oh, if you're going to be an actor, you're going to be a secretary. So you better learn how to type. And I had to take a typing test on his Apple computer every day before I could go hang out with friends. Um, so creativity, I feel is, it's not just our peers of anything. For me, it was the orchestra and band geeks and I was in orchestra and that my theater friends, that was my little tribe that just like, we were just the outliers and goofy and well, that's, that's, that's what I mean. It's like, it, there's more of, there's less of us than there are of the other people, you know, the other people that don't really feel comfortable leaning into their creativity. They have it. They just don't want to play with it anymore because maybe they've had really bad experiences with people telling them like, you need to go get a real job. Stop doing silly things, you know, things like that. Oh, that coloring you're doing, that's never going to get you a job. Oh my God. My grandmother used to make me color. I'll never forget this when I was in kindergarten, color in a coloring book. And I, she would watch me and you have to color in the lines. And I was constantly like going out of the lines, like, don't tell me to be in these darn lines. So, um, yeah, it, it's all pervasive in the family dynamics, in our culture, our society. And this is, but it's starting, I think, to shift for creatives where we're starting to say, okay, if I want to have a thriving career, I have to take ownership of this. Well, and that's, that's what I've always tried to talk about and, you know, is creativity doesn't just have to mean people who work in the creative arts. You know, you can be a creative leader. 
You don't have to like know how to use Photoshop. If all you're as a leader are are really good at is letting people uh, trusting them and letting them do what what they're comfortable doing, that's creative leadership. So creativity touches a lot of different areas, and and I'm really trying to like like bring light to that, you know. And if you were a kid once and you're still alive, then that creativity's in there. It's in there. You well, just gotta be willing creatures. to let it out. You know, we are meant, it's our innate sense to want to create. And it doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to be a Van Gogh, a painting. It can come in so many different forms. And I do feel to your point about watching cat videos, it can come in many different goofy, fun, direct, warm, indirect ways. So I knew this hour would go quick and it's like already almost time to stop. Can you believe that? Yeah, it feels like five minutes. So I got to get some rapid fire questions in there. Okay, go for it. So would eight year old Tina be happy um, of the person you become? Oh my God. I feel like I could tear up. She'd be like, it's about time, girl. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It took a while, but yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what what's next for you? What are you going to keep? What do you, what, you know, what are you going to do next? I am going to just continue to use my voice, be it in voiceovers or supporting other creatives and owning their career and uh, just looking at where I can be of service. What about with your your teaching that you're doing at the New York Film Academy? Can you um, tell me just quickly about that? What What's... Yeah. So uh, that has been fabulous. It's voiceovers that I'm teaching there. And like I said, from that, what I started seeing is the stuff that I didn't learn back 20 years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It, it's still not happening uh, in the liberal arts schools. You know, it's very much, okay, we're going to do acting. We're going to do monologues. So I am working with New York Film Academy as well as other schools to talk to these students about, listen, it starts with self-awareness. It starts with your self-talk and then self-agency. You're in charge. And don't be afraid to be a business owner. We have a certain idea in our mind that it's spreadsheets and, and it doesn't have to be that. When are you the most dialed in? Mm. When are you in your Zen space? What's your Zen place? What's that look like? Geez, many different things. It can be early in the morning when no one is up uh, and I'm just on the couch. Uh, sitting, being quiet, the city's completely quiet, or it can be having a really real conversation with someone who has a mustard hat and I have a mustard shirt and there's some serendipity going on. So, yeah. That tends to happen a lot with me, um, especially within the past, I'd say three, four years, a lot. I love that. The universe is really kind of working its magic with me. And, I, and I'll tell you what my one, uh, if anybody wants to try this, Gratitude. Oh, that's it. It's all you need. Get grateful. Get grateful for your life, what you have, the people in it, and the work that you do in your heart and mean it. And then watch what happens. Watch what happens. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I went through breast cancer four years ago. And so for me, no joke, waking up every day, I'm like, thank you. Mm -hmm. It's another day above ground. And I sincerely mean that. Uh, there's, and you feel better too. There's a sense of like, oh, ease. I know. 
trust me, I I I know. I I was um not a happy guy for a really long time. And it I just kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And all that energy did was push things away, you know. Yeah. And it's just so much better when you, you know, you don't gratitude, it it's not like you have to have everything and then you're grateful. Be grateful for the little things. Those and little right now. things, right? The, in the moment, right? And and it works. I know it sounds silly. I know it sounds corny, but uh, I, that's my secret. That's what I got. You know. It's oh, what gratitude. I say to my it's students. Gratitude. What I say to my students at New York Film Academy, as well as you know, outside that I work with privately, is BYOE. And they're like, what? I'm like, bring your own energy. Your energy is, and the way that you, you don't just go, oh, I'm going to feel good. No, just start. I'm breathing. Thank you. I've got my limbs. Thank you. I get to have this conversation. Thank you. I have good people in my life that want yes. to do well. I mean, I mean, right there, the, the three you gave are really all you need. Now, you know, now you can go deeper down in the list. And then, it, then you start to realize, wow, I really do have a lot of good things in my life. That that are really, they're they're real and they're there. You just you need to just look for them. So so that is that is that has been a game changer for me. And I don't know. There's a lot of people that could probably talk about this a lot better than me that knew me during a lot of my career because I just felt like I was constantly grinding against you know and and because there was a lot of um, ammunition that I was given about you know creative and ideas and not letting me kind of do what I wanted to do and they don't get it. And, you know, just kind of just, you know, that all yeah. changed about four years ago, totally changed the perspective. And, and was it, there something pivotal where you just said, okay, I'm putting my stake in the ground and I am done with this or was it a slow? No, it was two pivotal things that happened two weeks apart. Mm. Um, one was a job layoff. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, a 30-year marriage ending. Well, yeah. So, hmm, a lot of rejection there and a really rough road that I didn't know I was going to have to walk down or what was the, what that was going to entail. So a lot of introspection. And then COVID happened. So you would talk about introspection. So then you know, even when I had the, the next job, I landed the next job after seven months then that job ended. So I think that was the real catalyst then. Uh, the you know going through the divorce of 30 years of you know who I was married to and then thinking what am I going to do if I don't get called back to this to this position that I already had prior to covid. So put called putting the work in. Work on yourself. I went inside. I did. I went inside and I remember Tina, I remember the moment that it happened or what that I knew it was going to happen. This is going to sound silly, but I was in my bedroom and I closed the door in my bedroom and the door closed. I can still hear it closing. And there was this presence or voice that said, you're going to heal in here. Mm. I was like, what was that? What, what was that? Who, who said that? Like, and that's what I did. I healed in that room, like a mm -hmm. cocoon, right? And just looked at my life, looked at how I acted, looked at how I became and how I interacted with people. And, and you know what? It wasn't pretty. And I thought, got changed, got to change. And then yeah. I started without like, kind of like really consciously thinking about it. I just started feeling more grateful. 
for for what was left of my life, you know, and that was the that was the start. And then it really took off when I met Kelly, who I'm with now. Who's a fabulous my, my fiance now. Yeah, she's a brilliant uh, that and then it just took off. And I'm rolling. I'm rolling with it. And I still have my days where I may get a little, you know, off balance or, you know, maybe I get an email of something that I didn't, oh, they didn't, I didn't like, or, you know, maybe I fit, but, but I got, I get right back on the groove, get right back in the groove. And um, that's, that's what I would, if someone said to me, what's the secret? Gratitude. Hmm. And I would add gratitude and this moment. Just it's it's this moment for because for me and you know Western society I know we got to wrap this up but I just got to say this uh, it was not focusing and it's it, there's something out here so when this happens then I'll be okay right and you know when you get a cancer diagnosis you're like shit so for me it was okay it's just this moment this moment right now I need nothing else nothing else is going to make it better. I just have this moment. And then the next moment. Yes. And it's just these touchstones, right? And, and that's all we need as artists and human beings. We don't have to know the whole path. You just go on this stone and then another stone will come. It's like in that Indiana Jones movie where he walked and a stone would light up and then he'd walk and another stone would light up. That's all it is. Trust the process. Mm. It's like, what's the process though? Where's the book? <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> Trust the process. I wish we had more moments to keep going with this. Yeah, I know. I, know. And I, I had high hopes for this. I will tell you, this blew my expectations. Oh, wow. Thanks. I had pretty high hopes on that this was going to be a good conversation. And oh, my God. Cool. Thanks. It was really, it was really lovely. Yeah, thank and you so much. How can, how can someone kind of follow you? Like what is, you know, if someone wanted to kind of, you know, look at your work and see what you're doing, just give me that stuff real quick. The NYPD will tell you it is www.tinazaremba.com. So I'm sure you'll link it. And um, I'm on the socials, Tina Zaremba VO. Yeah. Reach out. I'd love to um, talk to more creatives and which is basically all human beings in my belief system now, but yeah. hundred percent. I am so glad we met. Me too. Me too. And Thank that we you. have to do this. Thank you. Um, and I really appreciate it. Thank be you. well, okay? You too. And be grateful. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, Ad Yakers. Hope you enjoyed it. Because we have many more great conversations planned and guests lined up ready to yak it up. Ad Yak is sponsored and produced by ASR Media. Theme song was written and performed by Dan Ross. Location recording was at JT Norman's Design Studio. Adyak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Stay hungry, stay humble. Till next time. This episode of Adyak is rated O for, oh man, that was good. <laughs>